0: We've been working our way through the Lord's Prayer. And in doing that, what we've been trying to do is uh, ask three questions. How each of these petitions uh, change the way that we think about who God is, how they change the way uh, who we are, how they actually change us and help form us more and more into the image of Jesus. And then finally, how they actually change the way that we pray. And this morning I was uh, thinking to myself, you know, I... Um, the whole premise, the reason this whole thing starts off, this prayer begins in Matthew is because the disciples asked Jesus, or I'm sorry, Luke, is because the disciples asked Jesus, hey, will you teach us how to pray? Uh, and it occurred to me that there might be some among us who uh, would echo those words of the disciples and be like, I just don't even know how to, like you, we're doing and we keep talking about this, but I don't even know where to begin. Uh, so, um, what I'm going to do is I'll, we'll, uh, we'll send out an email this week and give you some met way of responding. Um, if there's an interest, what we'll do is I'll figure out some way of just like, let's just sit down and I will show you the apps I use. I mean, just super practical, uh, get some folks who I, I tend to lean more on technology in my prayer because that just works for me. I'll fi- if you are someone that doesn't lean on technology for prayer, let me know, uh, because we can learn from you as well. Uh, and if there's enough interest, we'll, we'll make it happen so that we can actually just sit down and talk about what, what has worked for people to pray. Uh, that said, let me pray as we uh, jump into this. Lord, we, we thank you that you are a forgiving God, that you are a forgiving Father, and that because you have forgiven us, you call us to forgive others. Uh, that is easily said and hard to do, and lots of questions come up for us as we say those words. Uh, so help us this morning as we begin to uh, explore what you mean when you ask us to pray, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we started off by considering the, uh, the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. And what we said is that the first two petitions of the Lord's Prayer really are helping us to think about who we're praying to. Uh, so we begin by acknowledging that the one that we're praying to is our Father, uh, and that as our father, that he is holy and that he is king. Uh, and kids, if you were here last week, you remember that I said that a good way of thinking about this is that this is like a pair of glasses that we put on. So the rest of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, we, we put on these glasses and they all are filtered by, they all have that shade, a color of God is holy, God is our father, God is holy, and God is our king. Uh, so as we move into the the, the first petition that is dealing with our desires and our concerns and our needs. As we deal with that petition, first of all, we recognize that that our Father provides for us and that he provides both physical and spiritual bread. And that's good news, right? Because in prayer, what we're doing is we're offering our desires and our needs to God the Father in the name of Jesus with the help of the Spirit. Now, today what we're going to do is we are going to look at the issue of forgiveness. Um, does does the scripture have anything to say about forgiveness? Just a little bit. Uh, out of curiosity, I did a quick search. I have this Bible software program that I use, and I just did a quick search. It wasn't a super uh, detailed search, but uh, how many times does the word forgive or some kind of forgive, forgiven, forgiveness uh, show up and uh, just a very basic search in the Bible, that word appears in the NIV 137 times. Uh, So there's a lot that the scripture has to say about forgiveness. And I'm obviously not going to be able to say it all. And that doesn't even count all of the times that forgiveness is being talked about, but the word isn't actually being used. It's just, you understand from the context that that's in fact what it is that we're talking about. All right. So how does this petition change our view of God? How does this petition change us? And how does this petition change the way that we pray? So first of all, it changes our view of God by reminding us or maybe showing us for the first time that our Father is a forgiving Father, okay? He is a forgiving Father. Now, again, just curious, um, I did another search, uh, this time where God is the subject uh and the the sense or the the thing that's being discussed is forgiveness and you can see i think there's a, a slide here 54 times in scripture it talks about god forgiving or forgive uh, forgiving a group of people again that's not all of the other times where that's what's being discussed that's the context those are just the times when you see the word god and forgiven in proximity to either 40, 54 times just in the Old Testament. The Bible has a lot to say about God being a forgiving father. And the one place that I want us to jump into to get a, a sense of what this all kind of unpacks for us is Psalm 32, which is the Psalm that Dana read for us today. So the first thing that you see with Psalm t- uh, 32, uh, it begins, blessed is the one. Now, if we are an astute reader of the Bible, if, if you are, if you if you have any kind of familiarity with the Book of Psalms, that first line should raise a flag, right? Because Psalm 1, the introduction to the book of Psalms, begins exactly the same way. Blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like tree planted by streams of living water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prosper. Psalm 1 enters the book of, it's the introduction to the book of Psalms and says, this is what the blessed life is like. This is what the one who's, who has meditated on God's word, this is what their life is like. And then Psalm 32 comes in and picks up that rhythm again, picks up that, that note and says, part of the blessed one's life is a life of experiencing the forgiveness of God. So the forgiveness of God is um, part of the blessedness. And what you see, first of all, just as you think about the passage, right? There's this certainty in the Psalm, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. There's this certainty that's there. It's not you might be blessed as you are, blessed. It's the statement of fact. There's a certainty about it. There's a sense that there's this, um, you know, kids, adults, right? Uh, Someone uh, offends you. Uh, and you, uh, you know, you, you kind of hold off on on showing forgiveness. You want to make sure that they know that you're not happy. Is anyone, am I the only one that's done that? Or me? Okay. You and I are the only ones that are being honest right now. Okay. Uh, we all do this, right? Uh, and what ends up happening is that, that we begin to think that maybe God works that way, but he doesn't. God's forgiveness is certain. God's forgiveness is quick. God's forgiveness is complete. I want you to notice in verse, uh, let's see, it's in verse uh, one and two. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one on whom the Lord does not count. No, where's the word? I'm looking for the word iniquity. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him. All right, another version of the Bible, that second word sin, is actually the word iniquity. I copied the wrong passage, the wrong version of the Bible into that slide. Please forgive me. Um, So scripture uses, generally, there are three words that we use for sin. Sin. The word transgression, the word iniquity, which is what the second word is supposed to be. Uh, In the ESV, that's how it's translated. And the word sin. The word transgression speaks to the way that we rebel against God. So transgression speaks about the ways that we we take things from God that are not ours, right? We do things in the way that they're not supposed to be done. Iniquity has a slightly different... Kind of connotation to it. Iniquity is the way that we twist things and use them in ways that they were not designed to be used. And then sin speaks to missing the mark. So sin is this idea that there's this goal, there's this measure by which we're supposed to live our lives, and we fall short of that, right? Uh, For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's the sense of the word sin. And so these three words together. Uh, What Psalm 32 is showing us is the completeness of God's forgiveness. Right? He doesn't just forgive your transgressions. He doesn't just forgive our iniquities. He doesn't just forgive our sins. He forgives all of it. It is complete and total forgiveness. Uh, If you uh, have conversations with uh, with folks who are not Christians. Um, and, you know, different philosophies about life, it's not uncommon to hear this uh, premise that all people are basically good. The scripture would say that that's actually not true, right? And, And we see the evidence of that every time that we turn on the news. Last week, there were five, four or five, I can't remember, four or five mass shootings in our country. There's a war in Ukraine that's going into its second month. Uh, we have, you know, all the issues of racism and and just all of it, right? Just turn on the news. And again and again and again, we are reminded that we are not basically good. We have sin, we have transgression, we have iniquity. And scripture comes in and says that the God, the father, the king who is holy, he comes in and he forgives and and he is proactive. So the Psalm says that, that God has laid his hand. He's laid his hand upon us. Kids, you know those times when you're you know, you're know kind of acting the way you're not supposed to be acting and mom takes her hand and she just kind of gently places it on you, right? What is that? That's that reminder like, oh, there's this proactive person who's looking out for me that wants me to behave in a certain way. And that is really, the, I think, a, a helpful image for what's happening here, that God is proactive. He comes and he lays his hand on us. And it's not that he's out to like slap us and hit us and punch us, right? It's this hand of care and concern saying, hey, watch the way you're going. Watch, watch what's going on. <clears throat> and there's no better picture to remind us of the forgiving nature of our father than to realize what it is that he has done for us. Uh, in 1 John 1, 8 we read that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? But the verse right before and verse right after that speak about the power of the gospel. So verse seven says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, but, but, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, he will forgive us of our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What, what is it that John is doing? John is, he's, he's, he's borrowing that theme from Psalm 32. He's picking that, that thread up, right? And he's saying, this is the God that we have been worshiping all along. And it's in Jesus that we experience that forgiveness because Jesus is the one who dies on the cross and he takes on our transgressions. He takes on our iniquity. He takes on our sin. He dies on the cross. And by him dying on the cross, we experience the certain, quick, complete and proactive forgiveness of God. The father is a forgiving father. That's who God is. So that's the first point. So the second point is how does this change us? The father is a forgiven father. And if you have your faith in Jesus, you are a forgiven person. Okay? Like let that sink in. That is fundamental to your identity in Christ. You are forgiven. Can you say that with me? I am forgiven. Say that. I am forgiven. Let that seep in. Let that go to the core of your heart. It's really important. Now, one of the fascinating things about scripture is that uh, scripture spends a lot of time giving nuance to our understanding of what is wrong. Uh, So we just talked about these three words, sin, transgression, and iniquity, but then scripture gives us all this other imagery that helps us get at the idea of what is wrong wrong. With our world and what is wrong with us. And one of these images that scripture uses is the image of debt. That's the Lord's prayer, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, And so the language of debt really is that there is a sense in which we owe something to the person that we've sinned against. Uh, and Psalm 51 tells us that, that anytime that we sin, we not sin not only against another individual, but that we also ultimately also end up sinning against God. And so there's these two debts that we have to pay, right? Now, a great illustration of that, a great story that kind of unpacks this for us is actually told by Jesus himself. And Jesus tells this story in Matthew 18, which generally refer to as the parable of the unforgiving servant. So here's the story. There's a king. Actually, I'll just read it to you. Um, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. Uh, So now 10,000 bags of gold, that's a lot of gold. Uh, The the ESV version of the Bible, if you look at the notes in the ESV version of the Bible, the study Bible, uh, says it's about $6 billion. Okay, now, of course, you know, you're like, how on earth did he get into that much debt? That's not the point, right? It's a parable. <laughs> like at some point you stop lending the dude money, right? It's a parable, right? It's meant to illustrate a point. So you don't get stuck in the in the, in the you know the, the dollar figure. This, this individual was under a crushing amount of debt. And the master, the king, has pity on this individual and forgives them. Now, if you're familiar with the story, you know what happens next. What happens next is this guy who's, who's had this crushing debt forgiven, he goes off and he runs into somebody that owes him money. He's like, you owe me money. He's like, I don't have it. Take some pity on me. I'll pay it back. I was like, no, I'm not going to take pity on you. And he sends the individual to debtor's prison. Now, this individual, the second individual, owes approximately ten dollars to $15,000. Now, that's a lot of money but it's not $6 billion, right? And so the king Here's what happens and this is what we read in verse 32. The master called the servant back in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you, this is verse 33, this is really important. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So what's going on here? What's going on here is verse 33 is sound like this is a parable. Jesus is using this as an illustration in order to help us to understand something about forgiveness. And what he wants us to understand is this. We have been forgiven. That is fundamental to our identity. Our father is a forgiving father and his people are a forgiven people, forgiven people. And so therefore forgiveness is a character trait that we follow in the father. We are, we're supposed to be like the father, right? We're supposed to imitate him. And forgiveness is one of the ways that we imitate our father. That's how we reflect him. Paul doesn't use a parable. Paul just gets straight to the point. Ephesians 4.32, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And then in Colossians, he says, "Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you." You get the point, right? We are so it's important to begin with point one, right? If we jump to point two, you need to forgive, and we lose point one. That's crushing. But when we begin by remembering who we who our Father is right? He is a forgiving father. And then our forgiving father makes us into, uh, forgives us, and then turns us into a forgiven, forgiven people, right? We are forgiven. That is our identity. Then that turns us into being able to follow our father and give, extend forgiveness to other people. Uh, last week, I quoted from my friend Ashley Hale's book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs. Uh, I'm going to quote from her again this week. Uh, she says this, we must learn to be forgiveness people. If repentance is learning how to walk into the reality of seeing ourselves rightly, created and good, besieged by sin, yet redeemed in Christ, then forgiving others happens when we put this right seeing into action. I think what she's saying really simply is once we begin to see ourselves correctly, as those who have been forgiven, then Jesus' command to forgive others, what's the prayer? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's, the prayer itself has both sides to it. We need to see ourselves rightly. Now, I would imagine that there's probably a couple of objections that might come up for us. First of all, uh, one, one simple objection, right, is okay, yeah, but not in this situation, right? We we can easily think of different scenarios in which we would say, well, uh, yes, but maybe this doesn't apply to me in this particular situation. And I will grant you that there is nuance and we're gonna talk about the nuance in our third point. So grant you that there's nuance, all right? But scripture seems to be pretty clear that because our father has forgiven us, Forgiveness needs to be the posture of our heart, and that really runs counter to everything that we are being discipled into by the world, right right now, if someone sins against you, cancel right we we've, we've developed the whole terminology around cancel culture because that is the method of the day, and so the gospel tells us that we we work contrary to that. We work against that grain. And we say, no, we don't cancel. We forgive. Now, there's nuance. We're going to get to the nuance. The second objection is that doesn't sound safe. Actually heard uh, an individual talking recently about how forgiveness is is taught and how uh, especially in the interview that I was listening to, especially uh, young black millennials and Gen Z uh, hear the Christian message of forgiveness without nuance, and and, and it's just offensive to them. Um, and so I want to I try to thread a really fine line here for us and try to give the nuance that we need because I recognize that some of us might hear this and say, that doesn't sound safe. Uh, and, and what we saw in Psalm 32, right? God is a hiding place. Uh, God is safe. Uh, he's a refuge for us. So what have we seen? The father is a forgiving father. His forgiveness is certain, quick, complete, and proactive. Jesus is the the way in which we experience his forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We therefore are a forgiven people. Uh, Forgiveness is fundamental to our identity in Christ, who we are in Jesus. And so therefore, how do we begin to do the work of forgiving others? And this leads us to our last point. How does this petition change the way that we pray? So first of all, the first way in which this petition changes the way that we pray is that we are quick to own our sin. We are quick to say, I messed up. I sinned against you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Those words should come really easily off of our lips because we know that our sins have already been forgiven, right? Uh, my sin before the father has already been forgiven so when i sin against my kids i can go to them and say man i'm sorry that i lost my temper at you please forgive me right when i when i say something insensitive in a meeting i can be like you know what i that was an insensitive comment on my part please forgive me we can be quick to ask for forgiveness we can be quick because we 've already been forgiven, and so that that works two ways. We can be quick to the father to experience because we 've already experienced his forgiveness, but because we 've already experienced that vertical forgiveness, so we can be quick with one another to say, "I messed up i'm sorry, I sinned against you, please forgive me that's the first thing. The second thing is that we we offer forgiveness now this is where we need to have nuance right uh, kids if you 've ever tried to open a jar that's never been opened before you and you got to pop that seal. Uh, sometimes you got to get your mom or dad to help open that jar for you. And then once it's opened, it's easy for you to open. Forgiveness can kind of be like that in some respects. We need Jesus to help us in a sense, if you can, you know, don't carry this analogy too far, uh, to pop the jar for us in order to help us to forgive. Um, so let me begin by saying what forgiveness is not. And then let me speak to what forgiveness is. Forgiveness does not mean that we pretend nothing happened, right? That is not forgiveness for us to be like, oh, that person, oh, no, nothing happened. No, you know, sometimes things that happen, they need to be called out for what they are, right? Jesus died on the cross because sin is a thing. Secondly, forgiveness does not mean that we surrender all rights to justice. There are some sins that occur that demand that justice be met. Even if we are willing to extend forgiveness, there are some things that happen that justice needs to be met. Uh, And we need to trust in the governing authorities, the police, in order to do, make sure that justice is met in those situations. Forgiveness does not mean that we invite someone to hurt us who has already hurt us before. We don't invite them to hurt us again. That's not what we're talking about when we are speaking about forgiveness. So what are we talking about when we're talking about forgiveness? Uh, It begins with prayer, right? We begin by praying for the person who has offended us. And we begin, Lord, help them to see the way that they have sinned against us. It begins with prayer uh secondly it begins with prayer for them secondly it begins with prayer for us lord help me to have a posture that is ready to forgive like forgiveness is a process it's not something that you just do um and so there are times where we need to go before the lord and just like i'm not ready to forgive but i know that this is what you call me to take me down this journey to be able to do this All right, so don't hear me say that you got sinned against and the next day you need to be ready to forgive, right? Forgiveness is a journey. It is a process. It is something that we walk down. And sometimes we need help of one another. Uh, We need help of counselors. We need lots of other resources to come alongside of us because sometimes when we're sinned against, the sin is really nasty. Uh, And we need to like acknowledge that some sins are really, really evil and wicked. Forgiveness means that we choose not to exact revenge. Now, again, I just said, that doesn't mean that justice doesn't happen, right? If you are sinned against in such a way where the police needs to be called, you call the police. That's what you do, right? Because some sins d- demand justice and we and, and God is a God of justice as much as he is a God of forgiveness. That's why Jesus died on the cross, right? God couldn't just turn a blind eye to sin, he had to punish Jesus in order for us to be able to experience his forgiveness. Forgiveness means that we don't dwell on the offense. And what I mean by that is that we don't let the offense rewrite the narrative of who we are, right? We are forgiven in Christ and that is our fundamental identity. Now, I realize that that's easier said than done. And I realize that there are lots of, uh, there can be, depending on the offense, there can be a lot of help necessary but at the end of the day, we, don't, we want to work against having the offense re-script our identity when our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And then finally, forgiveness does not necessarily equal reconciliation. What do I mean by that? Forgiveness means that we are open to the possibility of reconciliation if it is safe and if the person has demonstrated repentance that is in line with the original offense. What do I mean by that? Um, there are times where if, you know, small small sin, right? Um, someone says an unkind word and they come back at you. Hey, I'm sorry. I forgive you. Done. We move forward, right? Small potatoes. Uh, there are times when someone will sin against us and they don't recognize what they did, but it's a small thing. It's a, it's a, you know, again, they maybe they say something unkind and we're like, you know what? I'm going to show forbearance. I'm not even going to tell you you sinned against me. Forbearance is like, I'm going to cancel the debt and you don't even know that I've canceled the debt. That is forbearance, which sometimes scripture calls us to show forbearance. But when offenses get more and more serious, that becomes a lot harder to do. And sometimes we're sinned in such a way where um, we need to see repentance. John the Baptist talks about this in uh, Luke 4. He talks about, uh, producing fruit that is in keeping with repentance. Charles Spurgeon, a famous Baptist preacher, uh, uh, had this little, uh, saying that he would say that the the the, the repentance needs to be as um, oh what's the word he used the repentance needs to be as uh, it's not this word but as as obvious as the offense. Uh, if that's not there, we're not we're not necessarily ready for reconciliation, right? And there are times where forgiveness might be extended and and there might be reconciliation, but that doesn't necessarily mean that things go back to the way that they were before, right? There there are some offenses that fund, I can forgive you, but I'm not going to pretend like nothing ever happened. I'm not gonna dwell on it. I'm not gonna be angry at you. I'm not gonna pray imprecatory Psalms against you and ask God to curse you. But you and I are not, things are not the same anymore. And then there are times when, in this life, there's just reconciliation just isn't going to happen. We can still have a posture of forgiveness. We can pray and say, "Lord, that person needs to see that they're a sinner, and they need they need your they need salvation." Uh, I, and and I'm not going to let this sin rewrite who I am. I'm not going to let this sin. I'm not going to dwell on it. But I'm not going to work towards being reconciled to this person because they're showing no evidence of wanting to be reconciled towards me. And if, and if it's not safe for you to be reconciled, then you shouldn't, that's not a thing, right? You, we never put ourselves, scripture does not say forgiveness is something that we do in order to put ourselves in harm's way. There, there are few instances where that like, you know, like martyrdom, that's a separate, that's another category that we're talking about. Now, I realize I cannot have said everything that there is to say in 31 minutes and 10 seconds, okay? Uh, And I realize that, uh, that wisdom requires us to take these principles and figure out how do we actually apply them in different situations, And so the danger of preaching on something like forgiveness is that I don't know all of your stories. And so I'm trying to give you biblical wisdom, but you're hearing it through the filter of your experience, right? Uh, And so what ends up happening is you're saying, oh, but this, oh, but that, oh, but, And, and I can't have conversation with you in order to be able to say, oh, that's a good point, but let's consider this over here. Um, and so I'm just going to open invitation to any one of you, whether you're here in person or watching online, open invitation. If if you if there's something that I said that you fundamentally disagree with, if there's something that I said that you don't understand, if there's something that I said that offended you, uh, if there's something that you just have a question about, uh, coffee's on me, beer's on me, dinner's on me, whatever's on me, for us to sit. And have a conversation because I recognize that the application of this requires prayer and wisdom that you just this communication method just doesn't lend itself towards that, right? Uh, because I can't have every like, oh, okay, this. What about this? just we'd be here until next week? Um, but but in in all sincerity, I please. Um, if you have questions, concerns, if you think I'm crazy, um, I can take it. I'll, I would love to be able to have uh, a conversation with you. Um, and so you can email me, text me, whatever. All right. Our father is a forgiving father. Uh, amen. Uh, if you are in Christ, you are a forgiven Person that is fundamental to your identity, and our father, who has said, Be holy like I'm holy, right? He has asked us to be a people that express his forgiveness in the world. Now, that is hard, but that is the call that we have been given to, and so, uh, what we're going to do now, what we've been doing up until this point is uh, we've been responding with this popcorn prayer. Today, we're not going to do that. Uh, Today, we're actually going to use a prayer from uh, a book that David, I think, referenced this book. David Rose referenced this book when he preached a couple weeks ago, Um, and it is called uh, God, Can You Hear Me? Uh, by Derwin Gray. So this prayer is adapted from the prayer uh, at the end of one of his two chapters on forgiveness, and I thought it As I was reading it uh, after my sermon was done, I was like, oh, this is a really nice kind of encapsulation of what I tried to say this morning. So we're going to pray this together, and then we'll move into the Lord's Supper. So please join me as we pray. Abba, today and for all eternity, I stand in the flood of the Lamb's blood. He purifies me. He cleanses me. He forgives me. In him... Forgiven is my name, and when I forgive, I spread his fame. The toxic cycle of violence and vengeance is only broken by the power of the Lamb's blood. Holy Spirit, give me the grace to forgive as I have been forgiven. May I live as a person who walks in step with you. King Jesus, You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You are the Passover Lamb, and you I am forgiven to forgive. Amen.